Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. All right, how are you this morning? You good? Come on, let me hear you. Are you good today? Yeah! Welcome to church. It's Sunday. We're so happy to have each and every one of you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Joel, and I look forward to uh, meeting you and getting to know you in the lobby today after service. Uh, We're going to start today with a quick update. This is what we call Unstoppable Sunday. Once a month, we do an update on our Unstoppable Vision campaign and let you know where we are and how we're doing. We launched this campaign back in uh, January, I believe, and uh, we have initiated and begun this relationship with the owner of this building that we're in right now. We've done the renovations that you see and that you're enjoying, and we have an executed contract to buy this building. So I want to walk you through a couple of things real quick. First and foremost, uh, we're, we're less than three years old, guys. We were two and a half years old when we made a commitment to buy this $7 million building. That's something that in most cases would be seen as impossible. It's just not even likely. Um, you can't get lending. Banks won't even give you their attention, uh, typically. And because of the favor and the blessing that's been on this house, we've seen God's hand move in an incredible way. Uh, So I want to share with you that God has given us an amazing miracle, an incredible miracle. Uh, First and foremost, we have let you know that we've been meeting with and talking to bankers. Pastor Larry, our CFO, and our treasurer has put together an incredible proposal send it out to about 12 banks or so, we had five banks give us offers, uh, basically created a bidding war. For a baby church that's not even three years old yet, banks are bidding and warring to get our business. That's an amazing thing, right? So we had a certain standard, uh, Pastor Larry had a standard, he's done this type of thing for a very long time, of the type of deal that we would uh, accept. And so I want you to understand that, that this is an absolute miracle. Our uh, campaign manager that's helped us run this unstoppable campaign, it's, we're working with Enjoy, which is a financial organization that has helped uh, like four, I don't know, thousands, four, like 40, 4,500 churches accomplish their goals uh, with different projects and things of that nature. Our campaign manager has worked with over 200 churches in the last 12 or 15 years, and he said he has never in his entire, uh, his entire career seen a miracle like he saw with Oaks Church, period. The most incredible miracle he's ever seen. So I want to give you just a couple of quick points. Um, we have a number of different offers, five that fit within the parameters that Pastor Larry uh, wanted for us and, and set for us, but one has stood out um, uh, at the highest level or above all the rest. Um, and I just want to show you just a couple of details that uh, Jeff asked us to share about this. First of all, when we were looking at this, uh, making a loan like this, a commercial loan, you're typically looking at around 4 to 5% interest. The loan that we have, the best offer we have um, over the first 10 years will be less than 2.9% interest, which is an absolute miracle, un- unseen, right? Not only that, typically in a commercial loan like this, you're talking about 30 to 40% down payment. 
um, we have less than 20% that we're required to put down, which is absolutely another incredible uh, miracle here. And the loan is amortized over 25 years, which is normally a 20-year loan. So our payment is significantly, low, significantly lower. As soon as we own this building, we'll literally be saving $10,000 a month. We'll be paying $10,000 less than we, would, than we are paying to rent it right now. And we're going to own a building that has about $2 million of equity in it. It's putting us in an incredible position to be able to move the kingdom forward. And this is just an absolute miracle. We have had, uh, during this Unstoppable campaign, 75 families have made pledges that equaled up to $1.4 million. So far, we've received almost $600,000 has come in uh, of that first. And we're only 25% through our campaign, right? We're just, we're just a few months into this campaign, six months into this campaign. So I want to show you a pledge detail uh, sheet that'll show you kind of where we stand right now. Um, the pledge detail sheet, eh, a little hard to see on the screen, at least from my perspective, but over here, this is 8% of our uh, people that have made pledges have already finished their pledge and we're only six months into it, okay? So that's an incredible thing. The next one you'll see, we have uh, 40% of, of our uh, people are on track. They're, they're right at track uh, at about 25% of their pledge or more is coming in so far. Um, the far one over here, you see 20% of people haven't started yet. Now we've had some people that have moved on. They're no longer at our church. They've moved somewhere else and they're not with us. Now, one of the great things is this first uh, people, the people that have actually already fulfilled their pledge, they've actually not only fulfilled, but have exceeded their pledge, um, which means they're giving more than they even pledged to give toward this campaign. So they're making up the difference. But these two categories right here are people that are either just a little bit behind or, or, or a little bit more behind. And so where we're at right now is we just need everybody that's made a pledge to do their absolute very best to step up and help us. And if you haven't done one yet, and this is your church home and you want to help us accomplish the goal, I want to share with you how close we are to this. We are exactly just over six weeks away from our closing date. November 5th is our proposed closing date. And currently we are only $127,000 short of our down payment. Okay. Now that sounds like a whole lot of money, but last month when I told you about this, we were a quarter million dollars short. So almost half of the money has come in in a single month. We're going to get there, guys. We're going to get there. We're going to celebrate. By the end of the year, we're going to be celebrating the miracle that God has done. And the reality is we can't do this without you. We have to have full participation. We have to have people that are really with us that say, this is our church, and we want to see this thing happen. Um, we have such incredible vision to go beyond. Just own, it's not about owning the building. The church is not a building. A building is a tool that helps the church, the body of Christ, accomplish and do great things for the kingdom of God. And we've got massive vision for what we're going to do inside of this building and how we're going to continue to finish it out and how we're going to reach the community all around us. So thank you so much. All we can do is ask each person to pray, to hear God, and obey, and know that this is a miracle church and we are unstoppable. Amen? Amen. Now let me give you one more little piece of, of, of information. All that we have accomplished has been during a global pandemic when 25% of churches are closing. And, and God is working so powerfully in this church that we are in a position to really do something significant and special in this, in this city. And our birthday, can, we, can you believe our birthday, January 27th, in the name of Jesus, we're going to have, the, and we need to, we, look, the deal that we have been offered, we still need you to pray, 
that everything comes together. We have four other offers. They're not quite as good as this one, but they're still good. They meet our parameters, but we just need you to continue to pray and believe that God is going to give us the sweetest deal. Uh, He said that it was going to be unstoppable. We've been in the middle of pandemics, crazy election years, all kinds of stuff, and I just want to encourage you guys. God is with us, and this is an absolute miracle. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Now, let me pray, and let's jump into our message today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your power. God, you are so amazing. Father, we align with the prayers out of the book of Acts chapter 4 when there was turbulence inside of the community and the church was being persecuted. Father, they prayed a crazy prayer. They asked that you would accompany your words, the words that they declared and the words that they preached. They asked that you would accompany those words and the message of faith with the extension of your hand and the working of miraculous power. Father, we thank you for supernatural miracles, miracles that will happen inside of people's lives, their bodies, their physical health, Father, their financial health, their families, Father, total restoration of families. Father, we thank you for supernatural and creative miracles, Father, parts of the body that shouldn't work any longer, but now they begin to work because of your creative, miraculous power. You created the body, Father, and you can heal every single facet of it. God, we ask you that you would release your virtue. Release your power, your boldness in the name of Jesus to do mighty works among us. You are our God, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're so glad to continue with this series. I am two of the most powerful words that God said. He declared that that was his name. He was the great I am. To Moses, he said, tell them that I am has sent you to them. And that word is hayah in the Hebrew. I am is hayah. And it's literally two H's, um, an H on either side with a little bitty, uh, it's called a yod in the middle. And the H's represent the breath of God. It represents, uh, and that's where you get this concept of life, that God is life, right? And then the yod in the middle is the symbol. It's a connection from heaven. It is the inside of the Hebrew language. It is seen as the atom of the Hebrew language, um, and it is the beginning of all things. So we're recognizing with this word, I am, that it is the essence of all creation. It is the beginning of all things, and it all comes from God's breath. Everything that is, is because God spoke and released his breath, and he filled your body with his breath. You are filled with the presence of the living God. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this. I am. I am. Uh, I know a lot of us have been through some pretty tough stuff in life. Some of us are going through some pretty tough stuff right now. And depending on the season of life, we can go through some hard things and it can cause us to become defensive. It can cause us to put up some walls. It can cause us to become self-reliant. I have been through some pretty tough challenges in my lifetime, and there were moments in my life where I was going through something excruciating that I uttered these words, I will never fill in the blank. I'll never be a victim like this again. I will never let someone reject and hurt me like this again. I will never find myself in a position where where, where, where I, th- that I'm in right now ever again. You may have been through something. I've heard people say things like, I will never be poor like this in my life. I will never be an alcoholic like my father. I will never. And when we do that type of thing, we do that. And honestly, it can be fuel for us in our lives, but it can also be what's called an unholy vow. 
an unholy vow. An unholy vow is something that's made out of a place of pain. And if you're not careful, an unholy vow can turn into a statement of self-reliance where you become your own protector, you become your own provider, you become your own source, your own defender. There have been times in my life where I found myself in that place because I made vows when I was abused, when I was heartbroken. And those vows can become a trap to you because when you're in a place that you should rely on God, you play God. Anybody ever played God before? I know I have. See, what happens when you play God is you begin to crave the worship. See, God desires, he craves, he loves worship. But when you play God, you begin to steal God's worship. And it's a trap because you're seeking to fulfill something in yourself. You're seeking to to get a fix. And you only can fill that fix with something temporary because you exist inside of the temporary realm. If you want to fill the need With something lasting, you have to fill it with something that can only come from eternity. A temporary fix, a temporary feeling, a temporary fill. I just got to fill this need. I just need to feel better for a little bit. We see that so often during this pandemic that we are still in the dregs of different than it was, but it's, it's, it's still a treacherous time that we live in. Alcohol abuse through the roof, substance abuse through the roof, suicide through the roof. Because there's an emptiness that people try to fill. And the quick fix is always temporary. It doesn't last. And it leaves you feeling more empty than you were before. It's a trap. And the only answer is when you come to the place that you realize God is my source. God is my source. God is my source. My employer is not my source. There are people that are put in a position right now in the current climate that they're in that they're having to choose between staying at their job or obeying a mandate. That's a tough spot to be in when they have beliefs and convictions that, that, that are their own. And look, as Americans, that's the point, is that we follow our own beliefs, we follow our own convictions. We have rights to the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. We don't live in a socialist con- country yet. We don't live in a totalitarian dictatorship yet. We're Americans, and we have rights This isn't Australia. This isn't New Zealand. This isn't France. It's not Italy. This is America. And we have the freedom and the privilege to hear God ourselves and obey God ourselves. But if we don't stand up for that, we might lose that. And I'm not telling anybody to do anything except obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. What if God tells me to do something that the government tells me to? Obey God. 
We wouldn't have, listen, listen. If, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about rebellion, and this isn't even part of my message, and I don't know why I'm talking about it, except I feel very passionate and strong about this right now. We would not have a church. There would be no church of Jesus Christ if it, if, if it wasn't for people that heard God and did something different. There would be no such thing as Christianity if it wasn't for people that heard God and did something different and it cost them their lives. But they died for what they believed. I'm not telling anybody what to do except hear God and obey. That's all I'm saying. Follow your own faith. Hear God and obey. We wouldn't have a nation if it wasn't for Christians that heard God and obeyed instead of obeying England. We'd still be England. But people heard God and obeyed. And I just want to encourage you. The government's not your source. Your boss is not your source. Your spouse is not your source. Your friends are not your source. Your pastor's not your source. God is your source. He's your only source. And he's the one that you obey. He's the one that you obey. Now God puts authority in positions. And we should submit to authority and we should pray for authority. We're commanded to pray for our authorities. But if we're put in a position where we have to choose to obey God or obey man authority, it's an easy decision for a dedicated Christian. Okay? That's all I'm saying about that. So let's read our Bible. Everybody okay? Anybody want to leave? We have two exits here. Two exits here. There's no air masks that fall down, but... Guys, it's hard to pastor in this, in this environment. If you say something, people get mad. If you don't say something, people get mad. <laughs> so you might as well just say something. John chapter 6, verse 26. Before I read this, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to mess up. Because I'm a human. I'm going to say the wrong thing sometimes. And I'll stand before God for that. But what I won't do is stand before God for being too much of a chicken to step up and say something. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jesus, let's go back to Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 26. I'm going to set this story up. Jesus has just fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. He did a miracle with five loaves out of a kid's lunch sack and two little fish. Multiplied it. He told the disciples, they came to him and said, we couldn't, we couldn't have a, a year's wages couldn't pay for these people to eat. And Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. You do something. Partner with me in this. And they did a miracle. They picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. After that, Jesus went up to pray. His disciples took off in a boat. And, and everyone saw the disciples leave. And Jesus not in the boat. And in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. 
and gets in the boat with his disciples, has that incredible situation that happens. And then the people realize Jesus is gone, but he didn't get in the boat. And so they rush around to the other side of the lake and they find him there. And they're like, how did you get here? And this is the, this is the story that we're in the middle of right now. A miracle feeding, a miracle walking on water. And then we find ourselves here. Jesus says to them in John chapter 6, verse 26. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, temporary, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Can someone say true? Say that word again, true. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread. And Jesus declared to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He said, I am the true bread. He equated himself, not equated, but positioned himself as superior to both Moses and the manna that fed them in the wilderness miraculously. Jesus made a statement, I am the bread of life, and he declared himself as part of the Godhead, part of deity, greater than a prophet. Any, any religion that says that Jesus is a prophet does not understand who Jesus is. He's not a prophet. He's not a teacher. He is God in the flesh. He is the living God made flesh. He is the word of God made flesh. Yes, he was a human, and he was a human filled completely with the spirit of the living God, and God lived in him in a physical form. And in this passage and in this story, we see a very interesting twist after he says, I am the bread of life. And they said to him, we want this bread, give us this bread. And then Jesus, recognizing that he's dealing with a fickle group of human beings. See, there's a, there's a verse that says that Jesus didn't give his heart away to the people because he knew what was in their hearts. How, how, how often would we be better off if we didn't give our heart away to people that we assumed the best was in their heart and it wasn't? Jesus says to them, if you really want to be my disciple, come on, he's just fed 5,000. He just walked on water. The people have followed him all around the other side of the lake. And he's, he's now saying things to them that are a little bit, a little bit sticky. You're only here because you want more bread. You're only here because you want a quick fix. It's not because you recognize who I am. It's because you ate bread and you were filled and you want more bread. But I'm the bread, the true bread of heaven. If you eat this bread, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty again. They said, give us this bread. Jesus doubled down. He doubles down on them. He says, unless you eat my flesh, it's the same story. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, 
you cannot be my disciple. And they said, ew, that's gross. What are you talking about? He doesn't back up. He says, no, no, no. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. And it says that the whole crowd left him. He went from followed by the masses. Viral video on Instagram. To everyone leaving him and he did it on purpose. He turns and looks at his disciples and he says this question, are you leaving too? In that moment, I could feel his, come on, Jesus was fully God and fully human. He felt rejection. Rejection hurt, wasn't comfortable. Rejection doesn't feel good to God. Are you leaving too? Disciples turn back. Peter says, where else will we go? You're the only one that has the words of life. I am the bread of life. Jesus was asking the crowd of people, are you fully committed or are you just in the crowd? He could ask that same question of us today. Fully committed, are you just in the crowd? Uh, It's amazing. We found out a couple weeks ago that we have over... 40 different states represented in people that are watching and worshiping with us online. 40 of 50 states, that's incredible. Over 20 countries of people that are worshiping with us. Thank you, God bless you, we're so glad that you're with us. People that are coming and a part of our services, it's wonderful. But Jesus would ask, are you fully committed? Are you just part of the crowd? Because the crowd looks for a quick fix. The crowd looks for a message that makes them feel good every week. By asking this question, I I risk someone getting upset right now and saying, I guess this isn't my church. I'm out. No pastor wants people to leave. That's why a lot of pastors won't talk about tough stuff. Because they don't want people to leave. I, I had a meeting with a bunch of our Baptist pastors in town this week. We got a bunch of us that are all friends and we'll have lunch together and pray together once a month. And they wanted to understand some more. These are some of the biggest churches in town. They wanted to understand the spirit-filled doctrine and where we came from and the differences. It was a beautiful conversation, beautiful talk. And, and, and I said to them, I said, look, I said, one of the main differences is that a lot of churches, they won't even mention the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's too risky I said, if you talk about tongues, people will check out right then. Oh my God, it's one of those, honey, honey, it's one of those churches. It's one of, get your purse, get your purse. You know that every single writer in the New Testament spoke in tongues? Saying, might not be a bad thing. Are you fully committed or just in the crowd? Tongues and tithe. That's how you get people to leave your church. Talk about that. (laughs) Tongues and tithe. The two T's. The terrible T's. Fully committed or just in the crowd? Has God ever asked you to do something hard? See, it's the hard things where you find out 
if you're fully committed or not. The hard things. When I had to break up with my high school girlfriend that I loved because I knew I couldn't serve Jesus and stay in a relationship with her. Hard, heartbreaking. When I started writing sad poetry and listening to The Cure. Hard. Obeying the hard thing. When God asks you to give away something precious. When God asks you to sacrifice something for his kingdom. It's hard. He asks you to walk away from a career. I've done it twice. It's hard. Scary. Fully committed. Or part of the crowd. Well, the hard things are hard. See, it's, it's way easier to take matters into our own hands. We're capable people. We can get stuff done. Make stuff happen. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online, highly talented, highly capable people. It's easy to play God. It's harder to trust him. It's harder to trust him. See, of all the people in the Bible that get a bad rap, Judas is the number one, right? He's the number one. Jesus, Jesus literally said that, that, that one of you is a devil. I mean, come on. If, if Jesus calls you a devil, I mean, that's serious business, right? Judas is the one that gets the hardest, the hardest treatment. But really all Judas did was take matters into his own hands. See, Judas, the name Iscariot, is connected to a revolutionary group of people. They, they were knife men. They were dagger men. They, they were revolutionaries, and they believed that they would cause revolution by way of violence. And so for Judas to be a part of this revolutionary group, freedom fighters, and then join the family of Jesus, but he's still flesh, he's still got issues. And when times got tough, See, they didn't, want, they didn't want Jesus to set up a heavenly kingdom. They wanted Jesus to defeat Rome. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the, the empire, the government, and set Israel free. They were looking for that kind of a king. And when Jesus didn't do it, Judas stepped up and said, I think I can, I think I can make some stuff happen. I'll put Jesus in a position where he'll have to do what I want him to do. I'll put him in a position where he has to just go be God and do this thing. I don't want to wait for his timing. I want to force his hand. Oh, have you ever tried to force God's hand? It does not work out well. It does not work out well at all. Can't twist God's arm behind his back. See, in this passage, Jesus said, I am the true bread. That word true, when you look at the definition of that Hebrew word, it means the opposite of a counterfeit. The real, the authentic, the genuine. When you don't wait for Jesus, you trade for a counterfeit. When you don't wait for Jesus, when you don't say yes to the hard thing 
And instead, you fill yourself, you fix yourself with a quick thing. You trade for a counterfeit. Doesn't fill. It doesn't satisfy. God is the only source of true satisfaction. He's the only source of true satisfaction. See, when when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, guys, nothing makes happy like bread. It's why, it's why diets are miserable. Number one rule of every diet. No bread. Be miserable. Accomplish your goals. Bread makes you happy. When you walk into a restaurant or, or somewhere where they're baking fresh bread, oh my God, happy. Instant. I don't eat at, Star, or at, at, at Subway But when I ever walk in there, I smell happiness. Smell of bread. It's incredible. Gives us joy. Makes us feel full. But if we're we're not tapping into the eternal bread, it's a temporary full. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You'll never hunger again. The only opportunity for true happiness is Jesus. See, I've done a lot of research on the science of happiness. I've read a lot of books on the science of happiness. And the the biggest misconception about happiness is people think, I'll be happy when? When we get this building, then I'll be happy. Nope. When we finish the kids' wing, then I'll be happy. Nope. When we do the, when we, when, we, when, we, when we can afford a real, guys, we're still using a portable pop-up sound system from the gym. If it sounds funny in here or it's too loud, we're not there yet. We got to grow into, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's crazy amounts of money to do the right technology. I mean, people will go into their home and do a little theater room that's, that's the size of this stage and spend $50,000 on a room this big. And what do you think a room 10 times bigger costs? That money should be given to the poor. That's what Judas said. You heard about him, didn't we? Come on, guys. It's expensive. And your personal life. Look, a church home is no different than your personal home. I'll be happy when? I'll be happy when I get married. No, you won't. <laughs> I'll be happy when I get this job. I'll be happy when I finally have a baby. Listen, happiness is a decision. Happiness is a decision. It's always temporary until you make a decision. Only joy is eternal. See, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When you, when you eat the bread of life, when you eat the bread from heaven, when you take Jesus into your life and you consume his word, True happiness, joy eternal, only comes from him. Everything else is temporary. It's all temporary. And the way our culture is, is we say, I'll be happy when, and we get there, and the goalpost moves. I'll be happy then, and then the goalpost, and it keeps moving and moving and moving and moving, and they've studied this out for decades. And it's why rich people, it's why famous people, it's why ultra-successful people 
kill themselves at the same percentage rate as poor people. Because happiness doesn't come because of something you attained. True happiness comes because of someone you meet. His name is Jesus. Happiness is a decision. If you choose to be happy. See, the misconception is, I'll be happy when I'm successful. And the reality is, scientifically, you'll be successful when you get happy. Because when you're happy, people want to do business with you. When you're happy, people want to stay married to you. When you're happy, people, people want to be around you. It's a decision you make. And for us in Christ, we have a divine opportunity to find true satisfaction, true happiness. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, For in Christ, watch this, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Another translation says, and you have been made full in him. Jesus is the only way to be full. Anything less leaves you empty in the end. Anything less is a temporary fix. Jesus is the bread of life. He is, he is what makes us happy. He is what brings us fullness. Now, I want you to recognize something. Jesus' first act as God in the flesh. See, Jesus lived the first 30 years of his life as, a, as, as really just a, a regular human being. The, the, the only distinctive difference was is that he didn't sin. That's massive. He was God in the flesh. He didn't sin for 30 years. I can barely make it 30 minutes. 30 years. But he didn't do a single miracle until he was baptized in water by John the Baptist and he came out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and remained on him and that's when his miracle ministry happened. That's when the miraculous work of God began to be released in his life. And the reason that's so important is because it's the same opportunity that you have for God's miraculous power to be released in your life. For, for you to have the opportunity, that's why Jesus could say that if you believe in me, you'll do the same things I do and even greater things because you have the same opportunity. It's why Jesus was able to say that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet and the greatest human ever born of a woman, but the least of you in the new kingdom will be greater than him because you have the same opportunity that Jesus had. None of the old prophets had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. But now we have the opportunity through Jesus Christ, for the Holy Spirit to actually take up residence and live inside of us. It's an incredible reality. Jesus' first moment as Holy Spirit-filled God in the flesh was to walk out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and be tempted by the enemy. And the number one first thing, he was hungry. And the enemy tempted him and said, hey, Jesus, if you really are the son of God, if you truly are the I am, why don't you turn these stones into bread? God could do that. If you're God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus turns to him and said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the word. The number one most important thing that you need to do on a daily basis is get the word of God in you. Get the word of God in you. But don't just get it in you, get it flowing through you. And the way it flows through you is when it goes into you through either your eyes or your ears, and it resonates in your heart, and then it begins to come out of your mouth. That's how the word of God goes through you. And that will change your life specifically and strategically. Because Jesus didn't say, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that was written down once. He says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's a continuing verb tense. That, that, that proceeds, it continues to proceed out of the mouth of God. Did you know that God hasn't stopped speaking? You, you understand he still talks. You still have a real opportunity for relationship. That there are different parts of the church of Christ, different denominations of the church of Christ that believe in, in what's called the gospel of cessation. And that means that, that, that the miracle power and the living power of God um, has ceased to work. It's, it, it's, that's the cessation. It has ceased. And when the apostles died, there's no more miracles. There's no more prophecy. There, there's no more God speaking. Everything that God will ever say is inside of this book called the Bible. That's what a cessation doctrine believer believes. The problem is, is now they've made the Bible bigger than God. And we all understand that the Bible itself disagrees with that because the Bible says, in the book of John, it says that if everything that Jesus did or said were recorded, it couldn't fit in all of the libraries in the world. All the books in the world couldn't contain the works of Jesus in his ministry. The Bible is our example, our cross-section of what God will say and do so that we can recognize him when we encounter him. But the Bible is not God. It's holy, it's precious, it's powerful, it's to be revered, it's to be lived by, but it's to lead us to a living, breathing relationship with the God who still speaks. The God who still speaks, who will still speak to you, that'll speak to you personally about your life. Well, how do I know it's him? How do I know what his voice sounds like? Read his Bible a ton. Read his Bible a ton. No, no, different, no different than how I know when my dad calls me when Ken Scribner calls me on the phone, I don't have to ask, who is this? When my wife calls me on the phone, don't ever, don't ever say who is this when your wife calls you on the phone. It's never good. How do you know? Because I have relationship, because I've spent a lot of time, because I know what the voice sounds like. How do you know what the voice sounds like? Because I spent a lot of time. You spend a lot of time in God's word, you'll learn to hear his voice. You'll learn to recognize his voice because you know the types of things he'll say and you know the types of ways he'll say it. But one of the greatest things that you need to know is, is that God will speak to you in the language that you need to hear. He'll speak to you in a language that you receive. God will call me a bonehead because he needs to get my attention sometimes. 
Now God would never. He's a father. He knows how to relate to each kid just the right way. We've got to learn how to have an interactive relationship with him. A living, breathing relationship with him. The bread of life. What I felt as I prayed and sought the Lord for how to end this message today is that I would give you an opportunity to really pray. And in answer to that question I asked earlier, are you in the crowd or are you fully committed? I remember a time I was in my late 20s and my pastor was preaching and he was talking about the difference of being in the stadium, in the stands, or being a player on the field, engaged in the game, not just watching the game, but actually in the game. And I remember just being in my late 20s saying, I, I, be on the, I don't want to be in the stands. I, I don't want to be a, a, just eating popcorn and, and criticizing players. I don't want to be a, a, you know, a, 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 whatever, a lounge chair quarterback talking about what I would have done and I bet I could throw this football over that mountain. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, live, I, I want to actually be on the field. And I made a commitment as a, as a 20-somethings to move out of the crowd and to get in the game. To say, I, I, I want to go to the next level. What do I need to do? In my personal life, what do I need to do? In my daily habits, what do I need to do? How can I position myself to not just be a spectator, but to be a player on the field, to get involved, to use my gifts for him? Guys, that's the question you got to ask. We got small groups. We've got a, a class called Align for you to go through to figure out how you could get involved and be a part of the church and actually really help and kind of go all in with it. That's all good. But in your own personal life, in how you live your life, See, I became a pastor not because I went to school to become a pastor. I became a pastor because I was pastoring everyone in my life. I was already doing it. I was, I was a businessman that was pastoring my clientele and my, and my employees. I was already doing it. And then, the, and then the opportunity shifted and I had a chance to step out and do something different. But it's how you live your daily life right where you are. Well, I'm just a, well, I'm just a, well, I'm just, you can fill in the blank with any of that. That's what this whole series is about. Jesus said, I am. And everything Jesus said, I am, transitions and translates into your specific life. The bread of life, the way that I would translate that is I am eternally focused and earthly excellent. I am eternally focused. I'm not just looking at the temporary. I'm, just, I'm not just looking at the quick, quick fix. I'm focused on eternity. See, there's so many times that we get into arguments or we get into petty stuff and we're going back and forth with someone. And one of the greatest questions to ask is, does this have anything to do with eternity or salvation at all? Because we can be going back and forth over something that's petty and stupid and we can lose relationship over dumb stuff that's temporary and not eternal. I'm eternally focused and earthly excellent. Why earthly excellent? Because God wants to use you while you're on this planet. And God picks people that are excellent in what they do. 
because they glorify him and how they do it. If you're a plumber and you're a Christian and you do cruddy work, please don't put that fish on your truck. If you're an electrician, if you're in anything, if you're a banker, if you're a school teacher and you're slack, you do half work. Remember, your work and your worship are synonymous. How you do your work is how you worship him. It's an interchangeable word in Hebrew. When God says, worship me, he means work for me. And your work is your worship. Well, I'm retired. Cool. Got lots of stuff I need help with. You can work for God. You can still do something valuable. There are thousands of people. Did you know that in our city, there are almost 200,000 people just in McKinney? And less than 50% of them go to church. Just in McKinney, we've got 100,000 people to reach. That didn't include Frisco and Prosper and Anna and Melissa and Alan. And we got, man, we've got millions of people that need Jesus. And unless we're in the game, unless we move out of a spectator seat, out of just being in the crowd, look, I don't want to get to heaven and find out all the stuff I could have done and could have accomplished. I want to get to heaven and I want to hear a well done. Well done. You took some risks. You swung for the fences. You made some big mistakes, but you just kept swinging. Come on, guys, we got to keep swinging. We got to keep swinging. Well, Joel, I, I've messed up a lot. Yeah, me too. So is everybody else in here. And God uses people that mess up as long as they're people that mess up and get up. Bible says that the, the righteous may fall seven times, but they rise again. We got to keep rising. You got some bad habits? Let's work on them. Start some new habits. You don't quit bad habits, you replace them. Got to start a new habit. How do you start your day? If you start your day with the news, you will not be a happy person. Start your day with the word of God. Fill yourself up on the word of God. You want to be filled in life? You want to be satisfied in life? Fill yourself up with the word of God. How often do you read your Bible? A lot, often. Pretty much every day. How long do you read it? Until I'm full. That's my deal. I read it till I'm full. I read it till I got something that I can really chew on and think about and talk about. It's not, it's not about legality to me. It's about getting full. It's about getting inspired. It's about finding something cool. It's about connecting to my father. The bread of life. You can live the most satisfying, thrilling life you could ever imagine. But you got to say yes to Jesus. You got to move out of the crowd. People get easily offended. Oh my gosh, Christians get easily offended. You know, you know one of the things that we, this pastor's group that I hang out with, you know one of the things we joke around about? Trading people. Hey, someone came over from your church. You may send them back. Oh no, you keep that one. You keep that one. See if you can help them. I can't help them. I tried for five years. I can't help that one. They're, they're all yours. 
funny. People get offended, swap churches. Get offended, swap churches. Get offended, swap churches. You might be here from another church offended today. Go, go at least have a conversation. See if you can get it right. See if you can fix it. Don't just leave and go somewhere else. See if you can get it right. See if you can fix it. If you can't get it right, can't fix it, then come on back. But try to fix it first because you might be the problem. Right? And then you're going to get upset at us and leave. I mean, you might as well at least try to fix it. Save yourself a hassle. Time for us to be mature believers. Grown-up believers. Move out of the crowd. Become fully committed. He's going to ask you to do some hard things. He's going to ask you to say no to stuff. He's going to ask you to give stuff away. He's going to ask you to turn stuff down. But when you say yes to the hard thing, that's when you find the real thing. That's when you find the true thing, true bread of life, true satisfaction, true joy, true happiness, true fullness in life. Let me pray for you. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, who would move on the hearts of these beautiful people. Father, I've got a feeling that there are a number of people, maybe online, could be listening to this as a podcast on a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon. We're sitting right here in our building. But as they take a personal inventory and look at their life, they realize that in some ways they may be sitting in a seat in the stands instead of being on the field playing the game. They may be standing back in a crowd instead of pushing forward into the core of being a true dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you draw them now Draw them out of the nosebleed section. Would you draw them out of the bleachers? Bring them into a place where they could actually be on the field with you, fulfilling the calling and the purpose and the destiny in their life. Find true satisfaction. I'm gonna do something really different today. I'm gonna do something that we very rarely do but I'm going to do it for a specific reason. Because it's a hard thing. And if you can't say yes to a hard thing in this warm environment where everyone loves everybody, it'll be really hard to say yes to a hard thing when you're out in the real world. I'm going to ask you to do a hard thing today. And that hard thing is I'm going to ask you if you're saying yes to moving out of the crowd and into the fully committed, if you're saying yes to moving out of the stands and joining Jesus on the field, I'm going to ask you to actually stand up, come down here and let me pray with you. And you're going to do that in front of everybody. If you can't do it here, I'm just telling you, if you can't do it here because you're too concerned what people think, there's no way you're going to be able to do it out in the real world. That's why I'm asking you to say yes to the hard thing. If you want to make a commitment to Jesus today to move out of the crowd, to move into the core, 
When I count to three, be the boldest person in the room and just stand up. Ready, go. One, two, three, stand up. I'm moving out of the crowd, Joel, I'm moving into the core. I'm moving out of the crowd, I'm moving into the core. I wanna do the hard thing. I wanna do the real thing. Come on down. Come on down, this is beautiful. Come on down. Many of you are already in the core, that's wonderful. But if you know this is you, I'm, I'm moving out of the crowd, I'm moving into the core. Online, you're moving out of the crowd, into the core, just put that in the, put that in the little message se- section down there. Shoot us an email or shoot us a direct message on whatever platform you're on, info at oakschurch.com, and we'll connect with you and we'll help you. We wanna connect and help you. For those of you that are down here, thank you for your courage. If you still need to come, come. Still need to come, come, it's not too late. Come on down, it's not too late. I want you to do this. I just want you to turn your hands up like this. And I want you, for those of you that are in the audience, if you would just stretch your hands out toward these individuals or you can do the exact same thing they're doing, just turn your hands up like this. And it symbolizes you releasing your life, releasing the controls of your life, releasing the reins of your life, the steering wheel of your life, and just offering it to him. And I want you to just lift those hands up all the way to him now and offer him all of your life. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I'm saying yes today to the hard thing. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to give, whatever you want me to give up, I'm saying yes. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to just be in the crowd. I want to be in in the core. I want to be on the field in the game. Receive me today, Father. I dedicate myself to you once and for all to be dedicated in my prayer life, to be dedicated in the Word, and to be dedicated in doing work for you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Would you lead us, Lewis, can you just lead us in something? Let's do this. Just, let's stay here for just a second. Lewis is going to lead us in something. Let's just worship for a minute. Uh, as, we are, as we are, just right where we are. If you want to stand up in the audience as well and wherever you are online, you just want to worship with us for just a moment in this, in, this, in this atmosphere and then we'll make our transition to the next part. Father, thank you for the word you released today and thank you for your spirit. Thank you for drawing your people to you into the core, out of the stance, onto the field, into the game. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, Lewis. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Sing that again, praise
We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.